Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out their vast collection of podcasts and all their live events they got going on. That is over at OsirisPod.com. OsirisPod.com. Today, I am thrilled to present you with an interview with Ukrainian-born artist, songwriter, and frontman of international punk band Gogol Bordello, Eugene Hutz. Hutz is a rare musical force. Rauciously illuminating stages alongside System of a Down, Rancid, and Dropkick Murphys, duetting with Regina Spector and cutting albums with Rick Rubin and Steve Albini. A lifelong lover of the punk scene growing up in Ukraine, Hutz found himself where he felt he belonged, in New York's Lower East Side in the late 90s where he went to shows and later performed at the legendary CBGB. Crashing at friends' apartments and playing acoustic sets in New York City Ukrainian bars, his group, the aforementioned Gogol Bordello, steadily grew to an eight-piece multicultural band combining Eastern, Western, and Latin traditions. Hutz is also a tireless advocate for Ukrainian solidarity, partnering with Nova Ukraine and Art Dopomoga, as well as putting together benefits with Patti Smith, the Hold Steady, Suzanne Vega, Magnetic Fields, Mattis Yahoo, and more. Hutz has appeared in art house films such as Liv Schreiber's Everything is Illuminated with Elijah Wood, Fifth and Wisdom, Helmed by Madonna, and the documentary Gogol Bordello Nonstop. On June 13th, just yesterday, a new documentary about Gogol Bordello entitled Scream of My Blood, a Gogol Bordello story premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. An intimate, career-spanning portrait of punk legend Eugene Hutz, Screaming My Blood chronicles Hutz's childhood journey to the U.S., his rise to fame with Gogol Bordello, and his defiant return to Ukraine after the Russian invasion. Through never-before-seen photo and video archives spanning two decades, including concert performances, backstage moments, and intimate interviews, Scream of My Blood follows the epic journey of Hutz as he uses his music as a rallying cry for the cultural identity of Ukraine while it continues to fight for its sovereignty. Born in Ukraine to a family with Romani roots, Hutz fled his homeland during the Chernobyl disaster. Now, after years of exercising demons through his music, he went home to face down the biggest demon of all. A wild punk rock doc that explodes off the screen, Scream of My Blood is a testament to the power of speaking your truth, no matter the cost. So in this episode, me and Eugene discuss what fans can expect from the new Gogol Bordello documentary, and how the career-spanning look into the band found within Scream of My Blood came to life. We talk about Eugene's early days in New York City and the band's remarkable rise to prominence. We explore bands that inspired his unique sound, what he thinks about the war in Ukraine and his recent visit to the front lines, uh, some wild stories on the road, and so much more. You're really going to want to check out the doc. It's fascinating. And I can't tell you how much of a thrill it was to have the opportunity to talk to Eugene, just a New York legend in my mind, and someone I could listen to talk all day about a wide array of topics. So I have no doubt you're going to enjoy this interview with Eugene Hutz. Across the margin. Across the margin. Across 
the margin. Podcast. Wicked. Cool. Let's rock it. Let's rock it. Right. So let's rock it. Thank you again. I've seen you guys multiple times, and it's just always such a wild, wild ride. I've had good nights at Warsaw. I've thank you. It's, it's fun music, and I've had a blast enjoying it over the years, over the last couple of decades. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, I want to talk about this documentary to start off, uh, Scream of My Blood. I'm so excited for it. Uh, how involved were you in the band in the whole thing, in the making of it? Well, I mean, it just captures the works and, you know, all the nuts and bolts of the band that have yep. been going on for, I mean, it captures kind of uh, the chapter from 2009 yep. up until now. So it's about 2009. 12 years, Okay, you know. I was curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks, it sounds like you, um, it's uh, Nate, Nate Palmer shot it, right? Yeah. A good friend, friend of mine, a friend from the initial days of the band. Yeah. And as I said, you know, there, there was two documentaries that kind of uh, did the whole, uh, you know, the genesis of Google Bordello, kind of like yeah. this, this messy Lower East Side days where it was kind of like, you know, before we were even a touring band, it was more of a, I mean, there was always a core of the band, yep. but yep. every show was kind of had the like Dadaist happening side to it, where it was kind of like, uh, there was a lot of people that were kind of like, just in a transient zone from being an audience and in the band, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and... <laughs> That was the vibe of the era, you know, it was the turn of the century. A lot of artists were uh, in New York City being very proactive, performance mm -hmm. artists, musicians. So, Royal Bordello kind of was like a platform for a lot of cats to chime in and bust out some sizzling funk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, you went from uh, kind of... Yeah, couch surfing. I'm sure the guys, there was acoustic sets you were playing initially from what, from what I've read and all that, and then... You know, you kind of uh, came up in the LES scene, but when do you when do you feel kind of like the band band really gained momentum? I'm sure we're going to be seeing that in the documentary when you kind of, you know, uh, uh, became the the Gogol Bordello that we know of today. Well, the great irony of Gogol Bordello is that you know um, it's a very kind of um, you know it 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 was um, because because people are not really aware of its full trajectory, which yeah. this movie will explain. Yep. Uh, it, it appeared that like it just flew in straight out of space, you know, <laughs> like it's like, what the fuck is going on? There is this gypsy punk landed slash, on earth fully formed uh, as hardcore yeah. slash art post punk experimental <laughs> band uh -huh. with a touch of uh, gypsy music, you know, and then yep. gypsy music influence kind of grew um, and grew and grew. But that's that's a kind of a uh, you know fragmented look at it because yeah. in the real reality of things, you know, Gogol Bordello was kind of a revival of mm -hmm. punk mm -hmm. and and hardcore and uh, and post punk. It was kind of post 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 <laughs> everything because I was already you know I. You know, even back in Ukraine in the late yeah. '80s, I was already, as, a, as a little kid. You know, I was already in a in, immersed in a in the punk and hardcore scene there, 
let alone when I moved here and just dove head deep into it and was a major uh, goer of hardcore shows, predominantly New York hardcore shows. And of course, DC hardcore was very important. But, you know, after a decade of that, of playing in hardcore bands and and punk bands, you know, I finally kind of came to a point of like, all right, I'm, I'm going to move to New York City mm-hmm. and uh, bring all my mileage and kind of and and the, and kind of the storytelling ambition, yeah, you know, which was kind of begging to 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 bubble up, you know, it was bubbling up on me because I did have all that mileage, you know, I wasn't sixteen years old anymore going to hardcore shows or twenty two years old, you know, I, I was I was twenty six when I moved to New York and I had a lot to tell, you yeah. know, I had a lot of my uh, all my kind of survival kit yeah. stories of overcoming various. PTSDs of, you know, uh, immigration and, and, uh, and, 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 and depression and things like that, which were basically my, I mean, I didn't have any youth really. I, my youth was so fractured and fucked up that, um, uh, through Google Bordella, I was kind of started piecing together my own story, uh, you know, and, and kind of, uh, give it some kind of logic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so there's a distinct storytelling um, vibe to it. Yeah, distinct. You know, I scaled down the music. I took acoustic guitar as my main instrument, mm-hmm. and that's that's the irony I'm describing. Is the <laughs> irony I'm mentioning is that people kind of know me as an acoustic guitar Absolutely. guy, but that was like my post, 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 post <laughs> everything instrument. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the scratch. Yeah. I yeah. spent like decades with like guitar stacks and mm-hmm. panels and you know and and uh, and uh, and uh, and making beats and all that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, that that was what was cool about. It. I'm a big fan of your most recent album, Solidaritan, and that felt kind of. Uh, am, I, am I right to say this? Kind of like a return to some some of the more hardcore roots. There was kind of an edge to that album that like it just felt it felt ignited by. So what was it? What kind of Am I right about that? It felt ignited by something. You're absolutely right about yeah. that. It was a lot of times, you know, at least at least the way I approach music and 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 what resonates with me in in the art is something that comes rather from kind of uh, unco- unconscious zone, mm-hmm. and uh, you kind of let your internal drive, um, you know, make those decisions. um where where i mean it's art it's art it's it's a uncharted territory Mm -hmm. and uh and uh you know pandemic and uh all that like previous you know trump years and all and all the turmoil that was bubbling up in ukraine because Mm -hmm. for those who are closely connected to ukraine uh you know this war was not any kind of a surprise you know it's it's, it's, it's pathetic to to hear people talk about how shocked they were it's like the war has been going on for nine years what the fuck are you talking about Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm glad you heard about it finally but you know (laughs) get on board um so you know all of that kind of zoomed up it's almost like a aesthetic filter you know you Mm. the, the, the the circle the circle of people who were got closer over pandemic it naturally led back to uh, you know punk and hardcore circle, yeah. And when and when the war started, even more so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just found myself 
reconnecting and reaffirming all the friendships and creative connections with people that were from that scene. And, uh, you know, Walter Schreffels, who produced the album, I mean, yeah. we toured together uh, and uh, we've been friends for quite some years, mm-hmm. you know. I used to have, you know, poster of Walter with his uh, one of his previous bands, Gorilla Biscuit. Actually, they're active right now. I'm talking about the first records, you know. Uh-huh. I had that poster <laughs> on my wall like back in the circle. early 90s cool. when I was like, you know, 18. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, you know, I was always a big fan of Gorilla Biscuits, Use of Today, yeah. Quicksand. You know, all this, you know, obviously Walter was a um, kind of a renaissance man within that uh, community of New York hardcore musicians. And he even played in Warzone, you know, which was always one of my favorites, uh, just really, really street uh, felt, heartfelt community, uh, spirited, uh, you, you know, uh, songwriting and um you know we just you know i called him up and i was like hey listen we we uh how about we do a record together because you know you just i just didn't feel like dealing with any uh just didn't feel didn't feel like dealing with anything but things that are of first priority yeah it's uncertain you know i didn't want to get tangled up in any discussions with anybody about how it should be done and all that kind of thing. So basically, you know, we, since Walter and I are both pretty <laughs> seasoned rockers, you know, we basically called up all our friends and made a record, you know. Nice. <laughs> nice. That must have been cathartic in a lot of ways, especially given all the crap that was going on in the in the time. But so this, this doc, to circle back a little bit, this does chronicle you going back to Ukraine after the war broke out. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, we journey. What was what was that like? What can you say about that that time period and 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 what what we see in the documentary? Well, the documentary um, captures this comeback to Ukraine with uh, you know with with me and uh, Pedro and Sergey mm-hmm. and Boris from our band and going and joining forces with a band of musicians that are in draw in a, in the military now. Yeah. and playing a concert with them on the military base mm-hmm. um, as one of the things. I mean, we also, I also went on playing in refugee hubs afterwards. Yeah. Uh, trip continued. That's just kind of like not necessarily in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, look, if you are connected to things there on a, biographical cellular level you know yeah. you uh you will not feel that fundraising and uh talking and educating and uh um you know connecting dots mm-hmm. uh, is is enough yeah it's simply impossible i mean i don't see how it can be possible yeah. you you will feel like besides all the moral and financial support there is still more support to be made which which is some kind of a more tangible on a, you know eye to eye physical mm-hmm. uh support and and that drive was just so persistent that you know 
with the help of our friends, uh, my friends from Ukraine. I mean, mm-hmm. I have very many, many friends and who, you know, we all grew up together in, in a punk scene, but, you know, everybody there also became either an artist, either uh, a lawyer or, uh, you know, a diplomat. And so with the help of that team of friends, we were able to contact right kind of um use their different skill sets uh, people yeah. yes yes of course and because logistically it was uh, yeah. very very hard to put together so much respect to my friends who did it uh-huh. but that you know that's that's a fragment of going there that was just so intense that it's I'm still like processing that information you know it's yeah. been already uh i'm already going next time in, in june i mean yeah. hopefully i will be able to go there again yep yep uh so you know, just 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 being there in in the crowd mm-hmm. of 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 soldiers who were, you know, bearing arms, yeah, and uh, you know, after and 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 having spending time after the show, and uh, yeah, you know, what it did, it actually completely uh, relieved me of this wow. hanging stress of uh what is going to happen i mean deep down i knew what's going to happen ukraine is going to win but you need as much information as you need Uh, it's a very uh moronically futile uh absurd and actually just plain ass uh plain ass (laughs) bad miscalculative decision was for Russia to attack Ukraine. That yeah. this clearly shows that they have no understanding of it. its entity. Yeah, and now they found out. Yep. And uh, and now this will be a lesson they will never forget. Yeah. And um, but <clears throat> at that time, you know, the, it was still before the before the a very visible turnaround of war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the turnaround of war is obvious. You know, and for those who follow the news, yep. and for those who follow the news closely and mm-hmm. not living on some outdated mythology, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but back then it still was not, and uh, it was great to see, uh, you, you know, guys and, and 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 women and 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 everybody in in the division in such a powerful spirit. Yeah, like nobody there was trembling, like or anything like that. That was like not even a. <laughs> it was nowhere near, nowhere near the the vibe. You know, the vibe was. This is a thank you for coming down, for uh you know for a recharge. Thanks wow. for the. Thanks for the you know being morally with us. We appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Let's get down and uh, sweat out some. Uh, positive vibes let's transmutate you know turn negative into more positive uh-huh. and uh, i mean that kind of really really uh re reassured me personally that that's the track it's on that it's not my imagination only yeah. you know yeah yeah seeing it so have you that i mean just seeing that spirit and i think i mean it just it makes me wonder if kind of uh, experience in that has changed your approach to the music uh, the me- that you're making now in any way or kind of changed the way it changed you in any way. I mean, I I, I do see you 
and your band is an extension of that spirit you're speaking of in, in a major way, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it is because mm. it is, I mean, you're seeing, mm. you're, you're getting what you're seeing yep. and, and seeing what you're getting. Um, the thing is that all those elements, um, all those elements that we were just mentioning, all those vitamins mm -hmm. of essential vitamins of Google Bordello music, you know, it's uh, kind of, uh, it's it's a foundation of foundational vitamins of you know punk rock and and hardcore influences and 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 uh, gypsy music and sympho influences. I mean, I did you know. The classically trained musicians like Sergey and Yuri, they they had absolutely a whole hell lot to do with uh, establishment of Google Bordello style. I mean, at yeah. some point where I think on Seekers and Finders album, it just went fully into some kind of sinful punk. You know, I remember getting the reviews like, "Wow, it sounds like Hoots finished conservatory in the last two years." <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I just kind of like. Uh, I always loved uh, classical music, and particularly the classical music that thrived upon melodies taken from uh, from from uh, boiled down, mm. distilled folklore like Brahms, uh -huh. and uh, you know Brahms especially, but Bela Bartok is mm -hmm. is uh, you know of course that's a much more avant-garde take of on on the on the folklore um but uh you know uh Dvorak and Kodale and there's a whole badge of Hungar uh, of Hungarian and uh, Czech and Ukrainian composers you know that Glier mm -hmm. you know one of them uh that kind of really championed that that approach yeah. to music i mean i have mixtape mixtapes of that like from this same era that i was into like you know uh dc hardcore and you know like <laughs> with, like, with, like with more obscure bands like uh you know, you know nation of ulysses oh, and yeah, holly yeah. rollers mm -hmm. and like uh boys against girls and like on yeah. one side would be like dc dc hardcore uh void and be like that on one side on the other side would be like glier and bella bartek and yeah. <laughs> and uh least you know least is one of yeah. the composers that definitely championed that idea so i think go on, go on i mean i think what you're describing too is what kind of has always made you know the the band's music transcend just kind of like punk and i guess that what you're describing earlier with the post 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 it's got these elements into it that, that that add this layer of uh complexity of interest and it's always made made it made it more unique you know it's it's different yeah for sure yeah. and and you know and, and particularly you know I mean Sergey and Yuri they had so much to do with uh uh fulfilling this goggle bordello fantasy you know that <laughs> at some point it just took uh I think I just kind of actually really enjoyed having that element come into full fruition and be called almost symphopunk what an oxymoron you know <laughs> an oxymoron but, right. and and it does eat away at the urgency of uh at some urgency of punk because you know 
and uh, but I think that that given it given it a shot on 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 seekers and finders was really great, especially song the how's that song called uh, Familia hmm. Familia I think it calls Familia Indestructible. Hmm. Um, that's kind of like for me that was like the the pinterpointical of the <laughs> of that of that symphopunk experiment. Yeah. But um success successfully pulled off pulled on pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. But um the, um the in the contrast to in the contrast with that came the Solidarity album, which was stripped down of most yeah. of that. Yeah. And that's what you're hearing. Yep. You know, do you, do you, do you feel yourself taking um uh uh you know, currently with music you're writing and playing, taking it taking it in a different direction as as uh, for for the next album, you working on anything? Oh, absolutely. I mean, always, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, as you probably noticed, we we're not kind of a band that does like this thing where it's like, here's the new record, we tour yeah. the new record, and yeah, then yeah, we're yeah. like, you know, then and then we take a massive vacation. That's like not how it rolls. Nope. No, it's it's it was never really about that. I mean, I. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the whole like mod, the the so-called model of so-called industry, you know, is kind of uh, kissing kissing a farewell mm -hmm. uh, for for a number of years already. But we were never a band that kind of tour, tours the record. I remember, like, <laughs> you know, just kind of, it's kind of record comes out and and this shows a new badge of songs and that's what's yeah. up. But it, some it more to very... into the into the catalog of, of what you play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like. The greatest similarity to that I see in in the world of touring musicians that I, I really love is probably Iggy. You know, he just yeah. tours because that's yep. what he likes to do. I mean, now it's getting a little bit more economical because you know Iggy's uh, is getting up there. But yeah. but I just saw him play actually the other day in uh, what like eight days ago uh -huh. in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and it was of oh, course cool. again as always mind blowing and super cathartic, <laughs> you know. But you can just tell that uh, he he fully understands his true calling as a you know artist who yeah. is a with this shamanistic uh, capability to really really blow the roof from a motherfucker, you know, and he <laughs> yeah. does it so yeah. generously. Yeah. And and nothing nothing stops, you know. I mean, you know, he oftentimes will mention some of the you know traumas and whiplashes that he received and keeps receiving uh, from from performing. But it, mm. you, you know, it's just like he's he he's obviously um, semi superhuman abilities keep him in. Uh, him doing what he loves and and and, and there I, I feel a lot of affinity because you know i i just love getting getting just the whole act of it you know and uh, yeah. sometimes i don't really uh uh understand musicians who complain about touring it's like yeah, that's the fun <laughs> that's the fun. i mean i can i can find just as many things to complain about sitting on the same block in a city, you know, if yeah. you really want to, but it's just yeah. like, I like that it's thing. all about predisposition, you know? Yep. yep. So speaking of that, I just want to, you know, the listeners where they can catch you, you're going to hit the, uh, hit the road here in Europe next. I know you announced a U.S. tour too, right? Yes. Uh, 
you know, summertime is a big touring zone for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're going to Europe uh, starting in Dublin and then to England and then Scandinavia and so on and so forth. Amazing. Like we always do. And on, I see you're um, shooting back. You're shooting back for a night to, to open this uh, film up at Tribeca. Are you guys performing that evening? Is that happening? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll be flying back. Actually, we're going to be doing one of those uh, saltos. Yeah, short dates. I'm like, how does this work? <laughs> so it works. I mean, it's actually nothing in compared to some of the other things we pulled off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, what? like we get okay, okay. We're gonna be flying in from Warsaw. Yeah. To premiere, playing, and yes, uh, after a short turnabout here in New York City, uh -huh. after the after party and the whole reception, flying yeah. back to Paris, I think. But that is that that is hardly uh, intimidating. I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember one time we <laughs> we played. It was it was a special cluster of events. Mm -hmm. it was probably one of the peaks of this kind of a touring madness, where we played uh, Wembley Stadium hosting. Uh, uh, guesting with Madonna, which was uh, this live AIDS special okay, event. Yeah. So after that, we partied all night in K West Hotel. I think that's the name of it in London, where all the musicians you know lose their liver. <laughs> uh, made major drinking uh, point for a lot of rock and rollers. We partied all night after that show. Did not sleep. Flew straight to Dublin, short flight, luckily. Yeah. Played a festival spot at three, like three-ish, you know, like earlier slot. Real afternoon. Got on a plane, on a charter plane, went to Finland, <laughs> headlined a festival there at midnight. The same day. <laughs> same, this, yes. And then after that, got on another charter flight and went back to New York City. Crazy. And played David Letterman show. <laughs> That's a run. <laughs> That's a run. I get exhausted thinking about it, man. That's yeah. Beautiful. But if you look at the performance on YouTube, it looks like we just came out of spa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of mind blowing. I mean, the adrenaline is like going through the pores. Yep. You know, that, that pushed you through. That pushed you. Yeah, through. I mean, That's so afterwards, cool. I, I remember I crashed pretty heavy, and yeah. uh, right. that was the the end of the tour. And I think it took me. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a pretty big crash after that. A little bit of recovery time. So let's bring it home with the doc a little bit. I just, uh, you think there's anything that, you know, fans, um, even like hardcore fans might learn anything like new that, that that's going to be brought to light in, the, in this doc kind of wet, wet someone's whistle to want to go see this thing. It's something that, uh, you know, uh, we might not know about the band that's going to come to light in this one. I think most of the things in, in that documentary are things that are not known about the bands. Yeah, oh, cool. It's a more kind of like a documentary. You know, a lot of people kind of discovered it's so so it's so somewhat along the lines of like if you were, you know, fan of PIL, yeah, and then you just going back to find out that apparently John Lydon was in Sex Pistols, you know? It's just like, yeah. that was the fucking thing, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, so, you know, 
it's it's kind of on that level because yeah. all these components and uh as sergey and pedro mm. putting out yeah you know they're they're and, and and pam and elizabeth you know and other core members of the band that elliot you know the founding members of the band i mean it's kind of you know they by by telling their story it's 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 a lot more it gives you a lot of it gives you a lot of insight to what you're actually listening to uh-huh. i mean music is not to be perceived you know analytically and that's all why we made it yeah. but i think you'll appreciate it more once you know these uh important you know layers yep. and uh you, you know um i mean just simple factors that like you know i mean i was in a band even before i left ukraine you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. yeah. you know i was i was heavily involved there then the whole dimension of uh a beautiful page of found one of the chief foundational points is there's a whole chapter on vermont where i was stationed you know uh, initially with my family when we came as refugees from that was where you landed there in vermont yeah yeah that's that band real uh, quick was that band vinegar face that was back in ukraine that was vinegar yeah 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 so yes that was a very so see you're you're already digging deep there brother <laughs> yeah that was a very kind of like nearly no wave band that yeah. was like a very very uh art punk you know with a with some with some oi gbh kind of influences but you know here that the beautiful chapter that i really like is um they get a lot of footage from hardcore shows in vermont mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the place that was a vortex for, for that energy was this uh, youth center that Bernie San- Bernie and, and Gene Sanders, actually it was Gene Sanders' initiative. Yeah, his wife, yeah. I believe, predominantly, who started this youth center that allowed kids to run their own show. And they took that model from Europe, actually. Wow. And, uh, you know, so we had kids running that that musical venue mm. booking all strictly the bands that they obviously like like yeah you know it's not gonna book something they don't want to see you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was deeply uncommercial va- venture and so that's how i got exposed to you know you know Hare krishna hardcore uh-huh. you know straight edge hardcore you know um just bands coming from new york city you know Murphy's Law, you know, mm-hmm. Mad Ball, Agnostic Front, uh, from Boston, Slopshot, Tree, uh, you know, Sam Blick Church, and bands from DC, you know, Holly Rollers, Fugazi. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's I saw right. Fugazi so many times that yeah. <laughs> I felt like they're my uncles, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, and, and uh, over the years, actually, the friendship grew, and uh, I'm actually going to be doing podcast with Ian soon. Oh wow! Wow! On more of his uh, kind of projects that perhaps remained in a si- in a in a shadow, like uh, yeah. like Egg Hunt, uh-huh. and uh, you know, he, he, uh, Soul Side. Mm-hmm. Just more transient things between the between uh, Mara Threat and Fugazi. Yeah. But they're brilliant, you know. You can see all the building blocks. 
Yeah, he's got some. And you know, I mean, he produced. Yeah. I mean, he also produced so many records that people mm-hmm. don't really know, like totally. Dag Nasty. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, We Out and Dankos is produced by Ian Mackay, you know, yeah. and Great Donzi and Tara. So yeah. this that chapter is very cool about Vermont, and which is which is also through that scene is how I met Pam. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were just you know going to see shows uh without even looking who's playing like you know you trust the the vibe of the the place and you just yeah. go you know and then yeah. you you know so pam, so yeah pam you know another uh immigrant mm-hmm. uh rocker from vermont and i yeah. met all the way back then you know and then our lives kind of ran on a parallel track and yeah. we ended up moving uh to new york around same time and reconnected and asked her to be in a band afterwards but yeah. and sergey's story is just is great how he you know lays out um he's uh you know the what what is it that excites a classical musician mm-hmm. to be part of you know, a motley crew like this, you know, <laughs> like this is a drastically different way of life. Yeah. This is drastically different uh, <laughs> approach to music, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, Elizabeth, you know, her, her story and coming from Scotland and, uh, you know, just kind of, just kind of uh, Pedro, Pedro also, you know, is, a very kindred spirit in being a Latin American uh, representative, you know, and, and how there's parallel these lines. two scenes of Eastern European immigrants and mm-hmm. Latin American immigrants were very tight in the turn of the center and continue to be tight. But that was like a that was like a very uh, a particularly kind of fertile grounds mm-hmm. at that time. I think that I think that I mean I'll, I'll forever be grateful to the destiny of things that Gogo Bordello kind of came out out of that turn of the center, you know, fin de sickle uh, energy. Yeah. That, because, you know, the next stop is in 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> in 77 years to get back to that point, you know, yeah. it's a special frame of mind that people mm-hmm. were not necessarily stomping around proclaiming. Yeah. That that's what they're all about, but but people were distinctly, as perhaps in every turn of the century, yeah. aware that they're at a moment subconsciously and consciously yeah. are ready for something new and also ready to let some shit go. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that was the that was the frame of mind. Yeah, there was a big departure uh-huh. and a big wide open. Uh, rip cage for yeah. new info and that's very crucial for understanding of Gogo Bordello you know yeah. now the doors are closing you know and uh, and, and everybody is getting quite um, tight uh, well I'm tight and, and uncentered yeah okay okay you yeah. know you know I mean people were never known for being particularly centered mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you you don't know. I need the. This was spelled out by even pre-Socratic philosophers yeah, <laughs> and yeah. chroniclers. You know, 
uh-huh. who were already bitching about that back then. You know, like you read Heraclitus, he's just like, what the fuck is up with these species called humans? <laughs> as long as you, if you have anything slightly more cooking up there in your cooker, you know, uh-huh. you're destined to be oh so lonely. <laughs> you know, so oh, the man. story is not new. Yeah. But it seemed like, you know, compared to people back in, in those times who were chiefly operating on mythology and mm-hmm. just didn't know what the fuck gravity is, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Not that they really understand it now, but <laughs> it was still like... Absolutely, I was just looking it up the other day. There's a whole branch of scientists who still don't subscribe to this, like, general uh understanding of of gravity and really really yeah they're, they're not so convinced <laughs> they're, not, they're not buying <laughs> well, it it's point. definitely there i know no one thing yeah it definitely does exist and it and it, and it works equally upon everybody yeah yeah vip or not <laughs> it's, still, it's still you're still gonna deal with it you're still gonna deal yeah, with so it. but yeah it just seems like it just seems like for for a number of decades there was this hopeful uh yeah, energy hopeful hopeful thing going on where yeah. uh, where like people just kind of getting closer to ideas that were mm-hmm. spiritually centering you know be it like some kind of cheesy new age <laughs> you, you know what i mean but i mean some of those ideas are actually that's some of some pretty good i mean yeah, yeah like you know you know, mental, moral hygiene, mm-hmm. you know, get yeah. centered, you know. Important stuff, yeah. Important stuff, you know, yeah. just basic meditation, you know. And those ideas were not only in, in, in New Age. I mean, those ideas, I found those ideas through Hare Krishna Hardcore, yeah. essentially, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and not that I really, I di- obviously did not follow deeply into that particular, <laughs> that <world. laughs> yeah, into that world. But I took a lot of things that, that reaffirmed my own, you know, intentions about it. Like, yeah. you know, like, like my father taught me yoga when I was 12 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, which helped me greatly to oh, maintain cool. my, you know, scoliosis that I developed by yeah. playing so many instruments for so many hours a day, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, and, and, so those meditation and, and yoga and these basic principles of survival in a world of gravity, yeah, you know, they seem to be kind of taking a backseat suddenly. I mean, people talk about it, but I don't know if they're really doing it. Yeah, and uh, the whole thing, that hopeful age of of uh, these essentially good ideas, mm-hmm. is kind of suddenly that golden kind of age of it kind of that was good, served as a golden age of information mm-hmm. here you go reach out for those ideas therefore suddenly it just started to look like a golden age of disinformation yeah and yeah uh, absolute you know zero ability of people to maneuver through it and to having no tools to verify it mm-hmm. and uh you know and Sometimes it looks like people are too dumb for the internet right now. <laughs> it's a lot to juggle. Yeah, you need to have a really good filter. You need to be able yeah. to be your own disinformation agent, yeah. expert, mm-hmm. expert agent before you launch into there. Yeah, no question. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, 
it, it, it will actually de decentralize you entirely. And, and I think that that's what a lot of people are struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen, I've seen people in my life go off the rails there. Um, I can't tell you how great it was to talk to you, to learn more about the doc, to learn more about your backstory, uh, your thoughts on Ukraine, everything you just said. It's, I'm inspired by your work and it's, it's a real pleasure. Thank to you talk so to much. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate thank you. the time a whole lot. And and so good luck. I'll see I'll see you at one of the next shows in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Thank okay. you for having me, Take man. Care. Thank you. Thank you again.
This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.